Today's Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. The context to this chapter is that the people of God had sadly walked away from God, who has set his love of them on them, called them to be his, and rescued them from slavery. In the previous chapter, there is reference to them consulting the dead rather than the living and true God. Judgment had already begun and would continue as they walk further and further into the dark. Yet, there is a promise of hope. So, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times, when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trembling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as few for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The seal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Thanks so much for, for reading, Lily. Let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are speaking, God. We pray, Lord, that today you will continue to shape our hearts and minds to know you and your Son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, you've, it's been mentioned a number of times already that we've commenced a new series this uh, week looking at the Christmas carols and the hymns that we often sing leading up to Christmas. And today is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, which we've just sung. And I, I need to probably say that uh, well, this is a cry of God's people for God to come and help and intervene and to rescue and to provide. But it is a lot more than just uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, because it's God's people. And this hymn has a larger reference to just a plot of dirt over in the Middle East, as if, well, we need to move from this plot of dirt to this plot of dirt. No, it's a far greater uh, carol, uh, a hymn, with a far greater and wider vista and vision of God's great work in history to redeem, to ransom, 
to pay for people that are captive to sin and to Satan and to bring them out of darkness into his marvellous light. It's a far greater picture than just something that's down here. And as has already been mentioned, at the time Isaiah is writing, some 700 years before Jesus came, he speaks of the light that would come into this world. But the nation of Israel at that time was well and truly in the dark. Uh, As already mentioned, they were consulting the dead instead of the living uh, to get their identity, to get their meaning, to get their future, to get their plans. Uh, And so they needed uh, the light to come into this world. Uh, There's a reference here in verse 1 of the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali which were the northern, from the northern tribes of Israel, and they had already been wiped out. Judgment had already come upon them. But this word is, hey, the light's going to come to those living in darkness. And also, by the way, there's a promise um, to, the, to the nations, to the Gentiles here in these verses as well. So certain is Isaiah of these things that will happen that he speaks of them as if they have already happened. And the people walking in darkness is the first verse that I want to look at in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And then verses 3 to 5 unpacks the results of this light coming into the world in terms of, of growth and prosperity You don't have to read all those words. Uh, There is an enlargement of the nation. God's people are going to grow. There's a rescue, verse 4, out of oppression. There's the removal of all aggression and war. And God will do it. God says, I'm going to intervene in history. Okay, you've walked into the darkness, away from the light. I mean, that's what happens when you walk away from the light, right? You end up in the darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. The people of God had already done this. They were in the dark. But God is going to intervene in history with a light. And this light is from a very unlikely source. Or should I say a very unlikely person? Because this light that will come uh, is a child. He says it in verse, uh, it's it's just the unlikely uh, rescuer, like Gideon uh, that's mentioned here, uh, with a small group of men who, verse 4, defeated the mighty Midianite army. And God's going to do it again with a very unlikely person, a child. For to us, a child will be born, a son will be given to us. Does that surprise you that God, in all his might and majesty, is going to intervene in history to provide a rescue through the most vulnerable of, of people, a child? Does it surprise you? I think it it should surprise us. God doing this, it's just so, well, that's not how how we do things. I mean, we are impressed by military might, uh, huge armies and great physical power. But God's going to do it through a child. By the way, it's not the first time we've heard of a child being born in the book of Isaiah. If we turned, if we're able to turn back, if you have your Bibles there, to Isaiah chapter 7, just uh, two chapters earlier, he speaks of uh, God gives a sign to wicked King Ahaz, who he didn't actually want a sign from God anyway, but God says, I'm going to give you one. A child's going to be born, and you will call him Emmanuel. 
which is, of course, in the hymn that we've just sung. And that means God with us. God says, I'm going to intervene in all of the wickedness, in all of the sin, in all of the darkness. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it in and through a child. This child you cannot ignore. This child, it's said of him that the governments will be upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulders. This child carries around the powerful governments of this world. I mean, we're impressed by powerful governments. Well, typically the community is. I mean, you might not be. Uh, that's okay if you're not, uh, by the way. But, uh, you know, we're impressed by powerful people, powerful governments. You know, we see this Prime Minister of Australia is going around shaking hands with all of these very important people you know, uh, over in the US even at the moment. And we're impressed by great power. Uh, actually, sorry. Oh. Um, we, uh, Sally and I have only had a brief taste of the power of some of these uh, places when the Vice President of the United States uh, visited St Thomas's North Sydney. How about that? My wife actually met him and he walked up. She was on the welcoming team that day. There's an ad for you. If, you're not, if you want to serve somewhere, go on the welcoming team. You never know who you're going to meet. And uh, she, she met him. But there were, there were, the streets were closed off. There was police everywhere. There was, uh, what do you call those guys that run around with uh, secret service? That's it, yeah. Um, I, I had to tell them uh, uh, not to shoot me, uh, by the way, because uh, I was playing the piano. Oh, I have a building, a picture of the building, yeah. I, have a, uh, I was playing the piano on that side for some of the band items, and I was playing the organ on that side for some of them, and I had to walk backward and, and, and forward across the front end of the building and the last thing I didn't, or they didn't want people to move around, and they closed all the doors once it sort of started. So I had to have a, a big powwow with them to say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to do any, any harm other than playing the music, which they might have shot me for anyway. But anyway, that's another story. This child will carry the powerful governments on his shoulders, and God is going to do it. And because he has this power... He is able to rescue, to deliver, and to release from the slavery and the oppression and the heavy burdens of which verse 4 speaks. And surely uh, it's God's mercy to do this on a wicked people, on, on me, on us. It's, it's surely his mercy that he wouldn't judge me and them for their wickedness, but actually would intervene to rescue My apologies for having to have a drink. This child has four titles which I briefly want to unpack. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, or Eternal Father, I think the CSB had. My apologies for using a different translation and the Prince of Peace. No one in history has ever been able to claim these titles. A lot of people would try and have a go at them, uh, you know, and make people think that they are. Think of the political greats or the, the influences of our time or the, or, or the uh, industrial greats or the religious greats of our world, the academic ones. No one has ever been able to or could ever claim uh, these titles. Well, firstly, he is wonderful counsellor, verse 6. He is amazing in wisdom. Uh, a counsellor is someone who, who you can sit down and talk to. And why do you do that? Why would you go to a counsellor? Because you trust them. 
Because you think, well, they're going to help me. They've got some wisdom. They've got some understanding. They've got some insights into, into life, into me, into my situation, into, the, into what's happening around, and they, and they can help me. That's why we go to them. And that's why counsellors became, like, scarce through COVID because people needed to talk to someone about what they were going through. And it's, it's hard and it still is difficult to get a, a good counsel here. But, you know, typically good counsellors are people that we trust. That's why we go to them, share with them. We look to them to, to lead and to guide and to provide for us and to help and to assist. In whatever situation it might be, it might be just a small problem, it might be a massive problem, we go to counsellors. This child is counsellor. But not just counsellor, he is wonderful counsellor because he's perfect in his wisdom. He's complete in his understanding. He's supreme in, in his care and listening. And he's wise in his dealing. And of course we see this, this uh, being developed a little bit more later on in Isaiah chapter 11, just a couple of pages over, where God through Isaiah says that he will send his servant... This one of the line of David, there's this child idea again, uh, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of, of counsel, power, knowledge, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And of course we see the wisdom expressed and lived out in flesh, if you like, in the person of Jesus, the child who will come, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, who will come. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. That's what he said of himself. And we see it in his teaching. Everyone was amazed by his teaching. Even his opponents were amazed by his teaching. We see his wisdom in confounding uh, his opponents as they threw questions at him and tried to test him. And he, he asked them questions back which they could not answer. And we see his counsel, his wisdom, his power, his knowledge. And he certainly did delight in the fear of the Lord as Isaiah 11 says. And friends, we can trust Jesus as our wonderful counsellor. You can trust Jesus as, as your wonderful counsellor, the one that you can go to when you don't know what to, to do because he has walked in our shoes. He is Emmanuel, God with us, both showing his power, his deity, his God, Emmanuel, and also his humanity as a child Growing up as one of us, he is able to listen, help, uh, provide and guide. And of course Jesus, uh, just before he left this earth, said to his disciples, I am going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you as, an, uh, as orphans. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to send my spirit who will be in you. The spirit of wisdom, the counsellor, the advocate the one who walks alongside of us, the Holy Spirit who is God with us and in us. This child, his wonderful counsellor. And as our hymn that we've been singing, and we'll sing it again in a moment, verse 3 says, Be thou our comforter and guide and lead us to the Father's side. He's wonderful counsellor. So we pray and ask him to come to us. He is also mighty God, verse 6. Here we see mighty power, deity. He is supreme in power. And of course, we have already mentioned Isaiah 7. 
He is Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew picks up the reference of Emmanuel, God with us, as he uh, unpacks the, the news of Jesus, saying that, yes, uh, the Messiah will come, the Christ, God's King will come. He'll be conceived by a virgin. He will rule, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he is the light of the world coming into our darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. I've just uh, seen a couple of pictures of uh, Wenty Prezies uh, in their Diwali festival sharing about Jesus who is the light. And uh, Sally works in a preschool uh, not too far from there and uh, they've been talking about Jesus uh, who is the, the light of the world to the, to the kids and uh, m most of whom are from a Hindu background. And, at the, and one of the kids came back and said, uh, I, I told Daddy about Jesus, the light of the world. And, and Daddy said, no, no uh, only the gods can be the light. Only the gods can be the light. I, mean, I don't know if that's true of Hinduism everywhere, but uh, that's what he said. She said back to, to Sally. And of course here in this verse, in verse 6, we see Almighty God... He is deity. He is God. And he comes as the weakest, most vulnerable dependent, a child. By the way, one who, as verse 1 says, will honour Galilee of the nations. There's a little reference tucked away in there. Almost, you could gloss over it. A reference there to, to this light who will come, not only to the... To the to the people of Israel that had already been wiped out and had no hope, but he will come to Galilee of the nations. And of course, that's where Jesus did most of his ministry, around the area of Galilee. Well, as wonderful counsellor, there's nothing outside of his knowledge. As mighty God, there's nothing outside of his capacity. And we see this, of course, in Jesus. He calms the storm. Only God can do that. That's what the Psalms say. He can forgive sin. Only God can do that. He miraculously provides food for thousands. He heals the sick with a word. He doesn't even have to be there to do it. He raises the dead, he himself being raised. And it would be a foolishness, uh, friends, today for us to, to think little of Jesus because he is almighty God and his glory is supremely seen as he is lifted on the cross for the payment for our sin, where he does ransom his people by paying the price that we deserve to pay for our rebellion against God. He is wonderful counsellor, he is almighty God, and he is everlasting father, or father eternally, or father everlasting. And here we see intimate care. Just as a father lovingly cares and provides for his children, so this child will lovingly care and provide and do it for us eternally because he is everlasting father. He'll do it eternally for his people. Uh, Isaiah's not, by the way, confusing God the Father with God the Son here as if he's saying, well, the Son is the Father. No, uh, the Son is God. He's already established that. 
but the father is distinct from the son. No, he's saying that this one is like a father who will lovingly provide care and, and, uh, and give. But of course, this does have some teeth because Jesus, as he does come, demonstrates the love of the father. He shows us the father. The son does reveal the father to us. That's what he says in, in John's account of Jesus' life. He says, the disciples come and ask him, show us the father. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the father. Yes, he, he, he does reveal the Father, but he is everlasting Father in his loving care, eternal provision. And then he is the Prince of Peace. And in here we have both a title and also a little bit of the work that he does, bringing true reconciliation. Firstly, reconciling God to us, us to God. This is the big reconciliation that all of humanity needs. This is the reconciliation that the people of darkness, walking in darkness, need. We need reconciliation with God who made us. We were made for God. We were made for that relationship with God. Each and every one of us was made for relationship with God. We have walked away. We've cut ties. We've walked into the dark and we need God to come and intervene to bring us back and to reconcile us. This child is the prince of peace and the greatness of his government and peace, verse 7, will be no end. Uh, he is the true peacemaker because of the proclamation of God. He is the prince of peace and he is the true reconciler, the true prince of peace because of the plan of God. Because this child will come, he will give his life a ransom for us to bring us back into peace with God. It's what Paul writes in Colossians, that Jesus, all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. That's deity, God, almighty God. And through the cross to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth to himself, making peace through his blood, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. He is the true reconciler. In fact, he's the only reconciler. Because nothing less than the life of Christ for us would serve as the payment for our sin. As verse 3 in the hymn says, O come, our great high priest, and intercede, thy sacrifice our only plea, the judgment we no longer fear, thy precious blood has brought us near. Peace with God. O come, O come, Emmanuel. That's what we all need God to intervene, to bring us back into relationship with him. And if you're sitting here today thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. What's this relationship with God? There is a God who created you, who loves you, who sent his son into this world so that he would pay for your rebellion and my rebellion against God so that you could be right with God, peace with God. And Jesus, this child, will bring us peace also within ourselves. We have many anxieties and difficulties, troubles and sorrows that come our way, do we not? But to know that God is in me and in you, that we are loved by God, that we are accepted by God, we might hate ourselves, but God loves us and he is in us if we come to him. And there is a peace within us 
that even through all the anxieties that we still will have and all of the storms of life that we will still need to go through, he is with us. There is a peace that he gives and there's peace with others. Our peace with God and peace within puts us in the best position to show forgiveness, love, acceptance to others. And we've already noted in these verses that this child will bring an end to oppression and the removal of all the need for battle clothes. And yes, although there was some relief uh, from their exile, which they did go into, they were released out of that, yet none of these were fulfilled in any of the kings or prophets of Israel. They were still waiting. They were still waiting for their release. And so we see in the New Testament a guy called Simeon who was in the temple waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for God's people to be released, waiting for the comfort that God and God alone could give to his people that were in exile. And God had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw God's saviour, God's salvation. And the baby Jesus was brought to him and he said now I've seen it I can now die in peace the light has come and we can rejoice we can rejoice that that the light has come that forgiveness has come that the Messiah has come that God has come to redeem us not out of a block of dirt down here into another block of dirt down here no the, the rescue is far greater than that from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from being condemned to being welcomed. It's God's great salvation plan. And Jesus has promised to come again, to come again, to take us out of the trouble, to renew this earth, to, there will be a new earth, a new heaven, Satan will be gone, evil done away with, Tears, gone, crying, finished, troubles, no more, relationship problems in the past. The new heaven, the new earth, the home of righteousness where we will be God's people and he will be our God. And there'll be no more death. And in that place, the book of Revelation tells us there's a tree of life. And its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Ah, true peace. Ultimate peace. Eternal peace. And it's God's plan. And he will do it, as verse 7 says... The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord accomplished the birth of the child to a virgin. Christ the Messiah came. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish our full and final ransom as we're brought into the new creation, the home of righteousness. Whereas is verse 4 in our hymn says, O come, thou King of nations, bring an end to all our suffering. Bid every pain and sorrow cease and reign now as our Prince of Peace. The light of the world has come.
The light of the world has come into the world. Has he come into you to have your darkness removed? For there's one little thing here that I haven't mentioned and it is verse 6. This child is born to us for you. It's an odd expression, is it not? Normally when there's a birth announcement in the newspaper, you know, Colin and Sally announce the birth of their fourth child, whatever, it's to, it's to us that our child is born, isn't it? But this child is born for you, for me, for us, for the world, this child is born. And that's exactly what the angels say to the shepherds as they announce the birth of Christ. Today, for you, for you, in the town of David, a saviour has been born, who is Christ the Lord. He's come for us. So if you have not come to Jesus, he is a loving saviour that will receive you, welcome you, take away all of the darkness and bring you into his marvellous light. <laughs> Most of us here have done that. But are we growing in appreciation for who Jesus is or do we tend to still domesticate him? Because this one, this child is the light for our darkness, the wisdom for our confusion, the hope for our death and the peace for our conflict and the king forever for our uncertainty. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And I'd like to invite the band to come up. We're going to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel again. But as they come up, this of course is written with the backdrop of Israel in slavery, longing for that rescue, longing for that ransom, longing to be brought out of that darkness. But of course it speaks of a bigger promise with a greater king, a larger ransom, the death of Jesus, to a better place, the new creation. And it's for a wider people. It's for the nations of the earth. Let's sing. <laughs>